Welcome to the Apostasy Show, hosted by JLB. This presentation is being streamed via the Dark Matter Digital Network in association with the Infinite Plane Society. You can find all our episodes at the website apostasyshow.com. There, you can also leave audio messages to be played during the show. New episodes are streamed every Monday beginning at 12 p.m. U.S. Eastern Standard Time. The Apostasy Show is an entirely independent production made possible by supporters from all around the world. Check out apostasyshow.com to find out how you can get involved by sharing your treasure, your time, or your talent. But what is apostasy? Apostasy is the act of giving up your religion or political beliefs and leaving behind a religion or a political party. Apostasy is embracing an opinion that is contrary to one's previous religious beliefs. One who undertakes apostasy is also known as an apostate. Basically, apostasy is the act of leaving behind your old belief system. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain! If you have begun to peer behind the curtain, then you probably realize that you were taught things as a child which are simply not true. And you probably also realize that if you simply question the orthodoxy of our day, it can make the regular folk around you rather uncomfortable. Some people are not ready for these kinds of conversations, and in many cases, they never will be. But here at The Apostasy Show, we're making apostasy great again. It's okay to question what we think we know, and that's the whole point of The Apostasy Show. Now here's your host, JLB. So what you should have just heard was Serena with her fantastic introduction. I really do love that. JLB coming to you on April 11, 2021. That was take three, believe it or not. The poor live viewers are just going nuts thinking, what is going on here? And apparently it's working. Now I have a sneaking suspicion that the second take also worked and there was a miscommunication in the live chat. That's possible, but who cares? We're here now. It is April 11, 2021. John the Bond coming to you from beautiful Bulgaria, Eastern Europe. And it's springtime now, and the sun is out during the day. And I think it got to like maybe 10 degrees Celsius during the day today, maybe 12 degrees. So we're talking 40 or 50 Fahrenheit. It was just a glorious day. I think I got a little bit sunburnt, but these things happen. And uh, we're here today to talk about so many things. Goodness gracious me, have we got a show for you today? Let's go and check it all out. Let's do the uh, usual, what do you call it, housekeeping. Dark matter. <clears throat> Pardon me, a dot radio, infinite plane radio, the apostasy show, the fakeologist show, the DMDN show program, dark matter news, the wormhole. It's all there. Go and check it out. And uh, if you haven't already, I do recommend you listen to the recent chat between Tim Osman, IPS, Tim Osman, IPS, they're sort of synonymous, chatting with Greg Carwood of the Higher Side Chats, about a 90 minute chat, fantastic chat, very interesting, very insightful. And it's different to hear Greg when he's doing a live show compared to a, a post-produced podcast, but he speaks well, even live on the air, and Tim had some good questions for him. We're going to talk about some of that later on, because Tim did ask Greg from the High Side Chats, who I'm sure most of you are familiar with, he did say, what do you think about the ISS? Do you think that could be fake? The response was curious, to say the least. Excellent radio. Link to this will be in the info box below later on. But the whole dark matter dot radio digital network, go and check it out if you haven't already. Fantastic stuff. Now, we've got a mailbag to read out later today. I was meant to read this one last week. We ran out of time. So I'm going to be reading out this mailbag from Dirty Benny. And it's on a topic that I know a lot of people find, I don't know, black pill. I, I think that's a fair way to assess it. 
This question of, you know, this uh, thing that people do to babies when they're in the womb, is it safe? Is it beneficial? Well, Dirty Benny has his thoughts, so we'll talk about that. I've got two voicemails to play during the show, one of which I haven't even listened to yet. I'm hoping and expecting it'll be fantastic. But I guess you're going to find out when I do, because I literally haven't even listened to that one. I have listened to the first one. Definitely interesting. We'll play that during the show. And, of course, we'll talk about 37 things normies believe. What are we up to on this list? If you're new to the show, we do one of these or two or three of these every week. What are we up to today? Did we do the chemical imbalance? Cancer? Eating cows? Oh, that's right. We're up to magical weapons exist which could destroy millions of humans instantly and suddenly. We're going to talk about that. That's one of the things that the normies, God bless them, do happen to believe. We'll talk about that. And 37 things conspiratards believe. Now, by the way, both of these articles are available to you right now in full in the info box below. So if you want to jump ahead and see what else we're going to talk about over the next few weeks, you can do that. Let's see. I think we're up to number six. If just enough normies wake up, there will be a tipping point from which the cradle will rock, the bow will break, and down will come the lie system. A lot of conspirators do tend to believe that. I think for a while there I believed it as well. In fact, I'm pretty confident I believed it. But sometimes it's hard to know what did we believe in the past. So, But I'm pretty sure I was very partial to that particular belief. So we'll talk about that. So, so much to get through today, but I've got to go through the live stream chat and just make sure this is coming through to you all. Let's find out. It's working now. Ivy Bird says Wahoo. Alpha Force says it was a great interview between uh, IPS and Greg Carwood. So it seems as though whatever I'm saying is coming through to you guys. Fantastic. Why don't we change up the normal format of the show and why don't we go straight to one of the voicemails? Remember too, of course, you can leave your voicemails at apostasy.com. Completely free. It's a terrific little, what would you call it, a plug-in? Basically, you just click the button that says start recording. It records, let you play back. If you like it, press send. Comes straight to me via email, then I play your voicemail on the show. So let's go straight to that. Then let's let's change the order a little bit of these shows. And uh, let's see what A. Christ. A Christ? It's, I'm pretty sure this guy left his name as A. Christ. But not as in A. Space Christ, as in like anti or... I'm not sure exactly what they were trying to convey with their name, but forget that. Let's see what they were going to convey with their words. This voicemail was left on the 5th, about a week ago. And let's see what this uh, fellow had to say for himself. Just give me one second while I get it ready for you. Let's take a look here. Let's see what he has to say. You see, you see, the fear that reigns the globe is only the fear of a few sinners who will drag you down with them if you allow it. Abandon it. For its beauty is deceptive and its play is cunning. Those who are in the Father and are aware of the truth are true blessed because of their imminent rapture. And let him who is not in the Father see and hear him in himself and in his flesh and bodily while in the spirit of clarity manifest the living presence of the one God so that each one may become aware of the Lord by himself and his own mind so that he now has the one and last chance to decide consciously whether he willfully never again come to any conversion or not. Amen. So that sounded like somebody reading a passage possibly from a Bible or some other biblical or religious-based text, and he mentioned the rapture. I think he was suggesting that some people will make it, some people won't. 
a little bit difficult to decipher. Let's go and take a listen to the first 10 or 15 seconds. Those were the most interesting for me. You see the fear that reigns the globe. The fear that reigns the globe. Is only the fear of a few sinners who will drag you down with them if you... Is only the fear of a few sinners who will drag you down with them, says our uh, interlocutor. You allow it. Abandon it. For Abandon it. Abandon the fear. I like that message. This guy's speaking my language at this point in his uh, voicemail. Its beauty is deceptive and its play is cunning. For its beauty is deceptive and its play is cunning. Those who are in the Father and are aware... And then he gets into saying those who are in the Father, which could mean for some people God, or for some people could mean the truth, or whatever way they conceive of it. This guy seems to be saying, don't worry about the fear if you're on good terms with the truth or with this thing that we live in. And generally speaking, I like that sentiment. Can I say, guys, in the future, when you leave a voicemail, it's always best to say, hey, I'm so-and-so... You know, or I'm I'm this guy from this place. You know, like I'm I'm a robbo from uh, Surrey Hills, Australia, right? Just for an example. And JLB, I wanted to say this to you, and then say it, or I wanted to say this to your audience, and then say it, or whatever the case might be. Context is a wonderful thing, especially in a in an audio-based uh, presentation. Give the context so the listener knows what they're listening to. Is uh, my advice. I mean that constructively. No direct criticism of this particular character because a few people have done this lately. They've just pressed record and they've read something out or said something without the context. But thank you very much, A. Christ, for your voicemail. I don't have too much more to add to it than that. In the live stream chat, what does somebody have to say? Unearther says that he just smoked some fresh Parmesan cheese. Smoked some Parmesan cheese. I don't know what exactly that means. Perhaps he made himself some food. Perhaps he is using those terms uh, euphemistically for something else. I'm not too sure. Let's find out. Explain yourself, Unearther. What do you mean by you smoked some fresh Parmesan cheese? Linda Curtis says Sunday school. Yeah, that did have a bit of a Sunday school element to it, didn't it? A little bit. Now, why is this not showing? This isn't meant to be showing. Get off the screen. Save. Can you still hear me? You should be able to hear me still. Why today the technical difficulties? I have no idea, but guys, this is the wonders of technology. You've got to take the good with the bad, just like everything else in this world. What else the live stream chat had to say for himself? Alpha 4 says, must be a coded message from JLB's Jesuit paymasters. That is definitely possible. Why not? It's possible. Definitely possible. All right, so that was a little bit underwhelming. Let's go to the second voicemail and uh, see what Hilly has to say for himself. Just give me one second here. Hey, John. It's your boy, Hilly, here in Minnesota. Just a quick question. By the way, I haven't listened to this one yet. See how Hilly says, hey, John, it's Hilly from... See, this guy gets it. This guy knows what he's doing. Question for you. I was just watching a public press conference, or actually a news segment that showed a public press conference, and there was a person doing sign language. And I've never had a really good explanation in my head of why they started doing that instead of just having closed captioning. So Hilly's saying that he's noticed that the press conferences, and I started noticing this last year with all of the, you know, the invisible body possessing demon news, like guys, we've got a lockdown because of the demon, blah, blah, blah. And they had all the, the people on the side doing the sign language. And they would, in, in not just in Australia, but in Canada, the United States, England, I noticed it in the news feeds from all of the the main countries that we talk about. 
And in every country they seem to be doing this, they would have the, the sign language person, not, like, not just to the side in most cases, but actually sort of like you could not help but be distracted by them or pay attention to them. So Hilly from Minnesota is mentioning that he's noticed this, so let's see what Hilly has to say about it. And I know you have a theory on it, but I've never heard it, so maybe you'd want to indulge us. Thanks a lot, John. Thank you very much for this. Look at that. Concise, short to the point, gives a context. Here's who I am. Here's what I've noticed. What do you think about that? Bravo, Hilly. And I hadn't listened to that one before I pressed play, so I was expecting from you that you would uh, do the right thing, and you certainly did. I appreciate it. Why are they doing the sign language? Excellent question. Why are they doing the sign language? That is a terrific question. Let me think. Uh, I might not post 311. They had been doing that already for how many years? I'm not sure. But it did seem to, to become a super prominent thing during all of those body-possessing demon lockdown restriction uh, you know, press conferences. So the question is, if that's the case, if it did get more prominence around that time in all these different countries, all these different press conferences, why? Why did this happen? What are your theories? You see, this is the apostasy show. I want your opinions. I read them out and uh, everybody gets to listen and partake in the show. What do you guys think about this? Let's go and find out. Somebody says Hilly Loveheart, but they don't offer their own commentary as to why this might have been the case. Interesting. We'll come back to that one later in the presentation. Now, by the way, I forgot to say at the start of the show, we were doing these on Mondays, but I decided to move it to Sunday to see by making on the weekend would it mean more people would come along? Now, unfortunately, I didn't really promote this properly. I didn't upload a video to say, hey guys, we're moving days, whatever. All I did was send out a tweet and uh, post a link on the Discord. So people didn't really have notice of this one, but we'll do this again next week, Sunday, midday, US Eastern Daylight Time, which is of course three uh, hours after the West Coast, so 9 a.m. on the West Coast, midday on the East Coast, 7 p.m. here in beautiful Bulgaria, which makes it five, are we three? I think we're three hours ahead of England. So 4 p.m. if you're in England, and Australia's seven hours ahead of us. So 2 a.m. if you're in Australia. Sorry, guys. It, it'll have to be a late one if you want to listen live. Of course, the good news is at the Apostasy Show, we do list all of the MP3s. Check it out. All of the past episodes. I go back the next day and then I edit out the superfluous stuff at the start, such as our technical difficulties today, and then I upload it as a beautiful MP3 that you can stream or download, and all the episodes are there. And this is, of course, episode nine, officially episode nine, but we did two uh, pilot episodes. So this is kind of like episode nine and episode 11. So it only stands to reason that we'd have all these technical difficulties. It had to be this way, didn't it? But that's just the way these things go. So apostasy.com, if you want the MP3 to stream or to download. That's right. So with all of that being said, why don't we get into 37 things normies believe. We're up to number 21. Of course, we did the previous 20 over the last eight episodes, the last 10 episodes, really. So let's take a look at number 21. Magical weapons exist, which could destroy millions of humans instantly and suddenly. This is one of the things that I think most normies believe, that the United States and Russia and who else? Who are the other countries that supposed that China? Did China have these magical weapons, according to the story? Israel, like, do have them but don't have them. That's an interesting little side plot of the official story, isn't it? They have them, but they don't have them, whatever. Uh, India and Pakistan supposedly have these weapons as well, I think, is the official story. So there's a whole bunch of these countries where the government, I guess the prime minister or the president, 
in America it's meant to be the president. He's got this suitcase that follows him around. So I think this is the story, guys. I think this is the story. Some dude with a suitcase carries it, carries it around. And if on, on any particular moment or time, if the president feels like it, he can say, Oh yeah, Jenkins, bring over the suitcase. And Jenkins is like, he wants a suitcase. And he's like, just, just bring the suitcase, just bring it. Jenkins puts a suitcase there. The president, I don't know, puts a little ring in there to open up the suitcase or knows a special code that he gets given at inauguration. Who knows how this is all done? But he can open up the suitcase and he can say, right, that's it. Press the red button. Kablamo. Okay? Kablamo in China or North Korea or Russia. I guess wherever he wants. I don't know how they pre-configure these things. But he presses the button and then... Just like that, man. Millions of people vaporized, right? Just like that. And they're the lucky ones because get this... A whole bunch of people won't be close enough to the blah, the initial blast. They'll get burnt really badly. They'll be like burnt by these like thousand degree uh, Celsius burns, I guess, like heat burns, like instant flash burns, all covered in burns, man, like trying to crawl home, like what just happened? Shit, man. There's screaming, there's alarms going off. But in the midst of all of that, there's also a silence because everything's been wiped out. So you can sort of hear in the distance the alarms and you can hear other people screaming. <clears throat> but the hustle and bustle of the city is gone because the city itself is gone because old mate pressed the red button, right? For whatever reason, he can just do that because some dude has a suitcase where he can just open it up and then like Jenkins is like, sir, are you sure? And he's like, Jenkins, you shut your mouth. I've made my decision and here's what I'm going to do. <laughs> Bang. And just like that, millions of people. It might take, I guess, some time for the missiles to get there or maybe they've got bombs in, I don't know, um... Uh, submarines that are sort of underneath the, the water waiting to shoot the, the water-to-air missiles or the surface-to-air missiles, whatever the hell the case is. So there might be some lag time, guys. Don't, don't take me out of context here, but somehow or other, this dude presses the button. And there's, you know, there's, uh, there's some mother just uh, pushing her kids on the swing, you know what I mean? Just pushing her kids on the swing. And then she looks out to Los Angeles, right? And everyone's happy and it's, man, the wonder times, like there's a certain sepia in the, in the memory, in the film footage, right? Sort of like it's already the past, even though it's the present. And there she is, Sarah Connor, and she's just pressing, she's just pushing a kid on the, on the swing. And there's the other mums, you know, just having their chat and a coffee as the kids play. And it's a beautiful day in Los Angeles. And uh, they, but, but she looks, she looks out, and there's this massive, this big white flash, right? Huge white flash. And then racing towards her like a pyroclastic flow from a volcano, from a so-called volcano, a so-called pyroclastic flow from a so-called volcano. If I can get my words out, try my best here. And then it, it makes its way to her, and as it's making its way, buses go flying, man. Trees go flying, bang. Statues smashed like that. Just flows through the city, and then up in like ah, like up in up in fire, man. And then the the flow hits the park, and then these kids are like statues getting blown into smithereens. The wind goes back and forward, and uh, people like start combusting, like in like like internal combustion. Up in up in fire they go, and the whole park just gets decimated, man. And it's a horrible thing. If, uh, if one of these people pressed the button. Now, I don't think the US president would press the button to wipe out Los Angeles. 
unless, just like that movie from decades ago, they accidentally fire these magical weapons at the enemy. And they're like, oh shit, we've got a problem guys, we accidentally uh, sent nukes to, uh, to Russia. What are we going to do? And someone's like, hey, I've got a great idea. What if we nuke our own cities to show Russia that it was an accident and hopefully they won't retaliate? Because if they do, then we're going to get into a, a mutually assured destruction, nuclear war. How about we sacrifice New York or Los Angeles? Let's, let's sacrifice something important to us. Tell the Russians we're sorry. And they should be, they, they should be pretty sweet with it. Like they'll, they'll rebuild, uh, you know, like they're going to they're gonna lose uh, Moscow because we accidentally sent the, the magical weapons there. But I, the Russians, man, they're pretty rational. It's a good time of day. They haven't started drinking the vodka yet. So when we explain to them that, yeah, we're sorry we wiped out Moscow, but we also wiped out LA to make it okay. Let's just call a truce. Should be sweet. I think that film was called Failsafe. I think that one was called Failsafe. Let's look it up. Let's look it up right now. Watch this. Remember how we had those Google search problems last week? Failsafe film. I saw this as a kid. I think this is the one. Failsafe. Failsafe, yes. Jenkins, bring over that suitcase. I'm in a button-pushing mood today. Uh, sir, I don't think I said shut up, Jenkins. I'm pushing that button. All right, Failsafe, 1964. Let's take a look. Have I got the right film? I think I have. Let's zoom in a little bit further for those of you watching at home. Yeah, yeah, boy. Failsafe is a 1964 Cold War thriller film directed by Sidney Lumet. Based on the 1962 novel of the same name by Eugene Burdick and Harvey Wheeler, it portrays a fictional account of a nuclear crisis, a magical weapon crisis, you see. The film features performance by blah blah blah. Failsafe describes how Cold War tensions between the Soviet Union and the United States led to an accidental thermonuclear first strike after an error sends a group of US bombers to bomb Moscow. Whoopsie. In 2000, the novel was adapted again as a televised play starring George Clooney, Richard Dreyfuss, and Noah Weil, and broadcast live in black and white on CBS. Now, that is interesting. It was the 2000 version that I saw. I didn't realize that was a year before the 9-11 uh, event. I didn't realize the timing there. This is curious, to say the least. Well, I just have a glass of Bulgarian tap water. Just excuse me for a moment. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Pardon me, yes. So, how about that? In 2000, George Clooney, who at the time was... I mean, I think he is still popular. Back then, he was a heartthrob. He was... Um, when did ER? When was that on the TV? I think it was probably the 90s, maybe up till 2000, I'm not sure. So, at the time, super popular guy. Uh, super handsome. Everybody loves him, George Clooney. He happens to star in the, the remake of... Fail Safe, or the new adaptation of Fail Safe. And I remember watching that as a kid. <clears throat> Pardon me. I remember that very well. And I didn't remember necessarily it was Moscow, I just guessed that. But yeah, so that's the plot of this film. Okay, so remember it was a popular book in the 60s. It was turned into a popular film in the 60s a couple of years later, back at the height of the, the so-called Cold War, when, hey, these two enemy countries, the capitalists... Uh, no, 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 not, not the cap. The capitalists, the friendly capitalists who just want everyone to be free, yeah, versus the, the Soviets. And both sides have a magical weapon. 
they have lots of these. Ma- they've got all they've got all kinds of magical weapons, man. They've got to employ people just to count the magical weapons. That's how many they've got. So if they want to fire them, bang, people are in big trouble. So this comes out at that time, and then they do a remake just a few months. It would seem before the uh, the uh, 9/11 event. Yes. And what happens in this film? Just what I told you just there. Pretty much what I told you. Somehow the Americans, God bless them, in this fictionalized version of what could happen, guys. This is what could happen. So just remember Duck and Cover. Remember Bert? Bert, remember that turtle? Just remember what the turtle told you. If you see the flash, don't look. Just get under Duck and Cover, right? Because, check it out, guys. What if America accidentally sent the nukes, right? What if they accidentally struck the Russians first? What are they going to do? And so in this story, what happens is, let me tell you from the plotline, during a VIP visit to the headquarters of the Strategic Air Command at some airbase in Nebraska, the Air Force's early warning radar indicates that an unidentified aircraft has intruded into American airspace. Shortly after, the intruder is identified as an off-course civilian airliner and the alert is cancelled. But a computer error, God damn it causes one American bomber group to receive apparently valid orders for a nuclear attack on Moscow. So it was a false alarm, but somehow the computer made a mistake. Now this bomber group, who is super well trained, they're told, once you're given the go-ahead to go and bomb our enemies, you've got to do it. This is what all your training has led to. We don't think it'll ever happen, but if you ever get the code, and it matches the code that you've been given to go and strike that target, you must do it. That's your job. And of course, they in the story, they train these people very well. You have to be a cold-blooded killer because your job is, if you get called to do it, to go and wipe out millions of people with the magical bomb in your, in your bomber. Okay, you've got a magical device there that when you press the button in the bomber... Mommy, mommy, what's that? <laughs> Shit, motherfucker. That's your job. And you better not chicken out. <clears throat> so these guys have been trained very well don't you dare chicken out, okay? This is your training. Here's the problem though, what if there's an accidental uh, alert sent and an accidental code is sent to go and, and kill the millions of people with a magical weapon? Now, if people realize it's an error, they can't communicate that to the bombers because these bombers have been trained, don't listen to us. If you, get some, if you get the code to do it, then you've got to do it. No matter what you hear, no matter what you, that's it, this, this is go time now, right? So the Americans' hierarchy realize, oh, oh, we've just sent the bombers to go and, and bomb Moscow. This, this could be a bit of a problem, right? And it's like, we're going to message the pilots and tell them, no, no, it was a false alarm. Don't do it. You're going to start a, a war that's going to kill millions of people. Could, could ruin the entire planet, actually, so don't do it. That's a problem because we, we train these guys specifically not to listen to us. Once they get the code, they've got to go and bomb. Now, for those of you who are like, you've never heard of failsafe or you're struggling to follow with me here, Think about the effect these kind of stories could have on people. The normies, God bless them. In the 1960s especially, when the news is telling them, hey guys, there's demons on the other side of the world. They've got a magical weapon that could wipe us all out. Right? So you need to ask the government, well, you trust the government, we can take care of it, don't you worry, just keep going to work, paying your taxes and doing as we say. We're going to protect you from the, the magical weapons. Because guess what? We've got magical weapons too. But at the same time, they were being given these fictional stories of, yeah, but here's what could go wrong. Now you might say... JLB is just a fictional story. Sure, but it's being broadcast at, what What were they doing back then? 30 frames a second? I don't know. 20, 30 frames a second, image after image after image after image being beamed into people's heads with 
people who know how to direct and how to do the music and the lighting and the acting it's very believable that's why we watch movies that's why we watch tv shows because we can very easily get into it and it goes straight into our brain and of course it's a fictional tale but it's based on a potentially true story because the government does have these magical weapons we all know they do so in theory there could be a mistake so that's why this is important think about the effect this has had on the masses and think about the effect it had on your main man jlb when he was 2000 it would have been 12 or 13 i guess and back then i used to believe in the magical weapons and i know i'm just watching a movie right i'm just watching a because what they did for the, the 2000 adaptation supposedly was it wasn't shot and then edited it was broadcast live so kind of like a mixture between a play and a movie like imagine if you recorded a play live and broadcast it that's kind of what this was so they had uniforms they had sets whatever but it was it was uh, it was done live right at least in america in australia they aired it the next day or a few days later i don't know but they aired it as live like as in like they didn't, they didn't pretend it was being acted and shot and streamed, streamed, broadcast to us live. Uh, we knew that we were in a different time zone, but we got the idea. This is like an even cooler, not cooler, like, I don't want to say fancy, but it's a special presentation. George Clooney and these other actors are going to have to get every line right because this is going out live. So it was a, it was a special event. That's how I remember it anyway in Australia. And I watched it. So think about the effect that has on people like me. And for the last 50, 60 years, this is the kind of so-called fiction that's been broadcast to the people. Oh, it's just entertainment. No, it's more than that. And you know it's more than that. So think about the effect that this failsafe had. It had such an effect on me. I haven't seen it since 2000, and yet I remembered the plotline pretty well, didn't I? And I didn't double-check this before recording this uh, or streaming this to you guys right now. So anyway, you've got these trained killers, and they've got the code. Your president or the chief of whoever is responsible for giving you guys the code has given you the code. So now you're in the plane on the way. Well, I guess we're off the bomb Moscow, boys. Let's go, right? So they're going. They get this message from the president or from someone saying, hey, boys, listen, just, just give us a chance here. We know you, we told you not to listen to us, but uh, pretty, pretty please don't do what you've been ordered to do. Please don't. Please don't bomb Moscow because that was a mistake. It was, it was a mistake. It was the computer, the wrong ones and zeros and... Look, we'll fire, we'll fire Trent from IT, okay? Trent, I, listen, between us, boys, we never even wanted to hire Trent. That was a bad decision. I said that from the start, Trent was going to mess things up, and he did. So we're sorry about that. And we're sorry we sent you off to bomb Moscow. But you don't have to do this. Don't do it. Don't bomb Moscow, guys. Please, for the love of God. Because if you do that, they're going to bomb us. It's going to be terrible. So the guys are in the plane. They're like, uh, like they speak to their, the commanding officer, I guess. They're like, um, I don't know, he might be, what rank might he be? I don't know. I didn't really know ranks in the military that well. Let's just call him... Let me private. Call Pro. Um, I don't know. Let's call him... Let's call him Captain. They're like, uh, Captain, it's coming through on the radio that it's a mistake. We shouldn't do this. And the Captain's like, you know we've been trained for this. Okay. This is go time. Don't get weak on me now. We have to do this. Right? So carry on. So they're carrying on. They're getting pleas from the president. Boys, don't, don't, don't freaking do it, guys. We're sorry. We didn't mean to, to do the code. This is not a test. This is not a drill. Like, for the love of God, guys, stop. Come back, please, for the love of God. And like, you know, the, the subordinates are like getting jittery. They're like, that sounds like the president. I'm just sort of paraphrasing the, the plot. This could actually be the exact plot. I can't remember, but this is the basic plot. They're like, Captain, like, that sounds like the president, brother. Like, I think this is a mistake. And, and, and so the tension is around this idea of, will the captain go ahead with it, right? Will George Clooney do as he's been trained to do and go and kill millions of people 
with the magical weapon in, the, in his, the back of his uh, plane, right? Will he do it? He's been trained to do it. This is his job. In theory, for all he knows, these messages are coming from the Russians. These are fake messages from the Russians to save themselves, right? And he's like, he has to remain stoic. This is his job now. This is his job. And he says to his subordinates, boys, hold your nerve. We're doing it, right? So it becomes like this... Um, it's like ethical or moral dilemma and, and this question of like, um, do you do your job? Because your job, this was your, you were selected to do this, man. You were selected to fly over Moscow, press that button, and then get the hell out of there. That's your whole job, man. And for all you know, you've been sent on this mission because New York's already gone. The Soviets got it. LA's already gone, right? Just think of a city that is big or that you like. It's gone. So this is actually trying to save America now, somehow. So you've got to do your job. So they stay on course, right? And, and so the, the suspense builds. We as the viewers know that there's no war going on. And, and this is going to start a war. This ain't going to fix it. This is going to start a war. So we're sitting at home, eating our Doritos, or eating our Cadbury chocolates, or uh, drinking our drinks, or smoking our smokes, or doing whatever we do. And we're thinking, is he going to do it? Because we're immersed in the story, you see. We're immersed in this uh, 30 frames a second story being told to us, enacted by the very handsome George Clooney in 2000, or by... Uh, whoever else in 1962. Henry Fonda, Dano, Dano Hurley, Dan, I can't pronounce that name. Walter Matthau was in it? Mm, I don't remember, I don't know those other names. But yeah, Henry Fonda and Walter Matthau were in the first one. And then in the second one, the very handsome George Clooney. So we're sitting at home going, is he going to do it? Right? Because we already believe in the magical weapons. Right? And, and in our minds, it's like, yeah, a mistake could happen. They've given us a story. It was Trent from IT. And we're going to fight. He's, in fact, we're already fighting. We sent him packing. We're like, Trent, you messed up big time, bro. You messed up big time. You better hope we can fix this. In fact, you're going to help us. Trent, get on the phone right now to the captain. Uh, captain, this is Trent, the IT guy. I'm, I'm the one who... I, I didn't debug. It's, it's, a, it's a long story, but I messed up, bro. You weren't meant to get the order. Can you please not bomb Moscow? Because this is going to be on my conscience forever, man. I mean, this, you've got to think of, of other people here. I'm the one who messed up. Like, people are going to blame me. People are going to blame me for this, Captain. You've got to stop. Shut that. Turn that off now. The Captain's like, he's like, the Captain's like, turn that off. I don't want to hear it. We've got the code. And we're going to go bomb Moscow. We're going to do it. And his subordinates are like, they're starting to, maybe they're starting to think, do we need to mutiny here? Because, like, we pretended we would do this. That was our training. But are we really going to do it? Maybe we need to mutiny on the Captain. You know what I mean? And maybe the Captain's already thinking, if these boys mutiny on me, I'll do it myself. This is my job. This is my calling. This is my mission is to drop the magical weapon on Moscow. And we're going to do it by crikey. So back at HQ in America, they're like, the captain's too good, man. He's trained too well. We trained him too well. There's no way to stop this guy now. There's no way to stop him. He's gone. He's going to, he's going to do it. Moscow's toast. What are we going to do? Because as soon as Boris Yeltsin, whoever is in charge in the 1960s, finds out that Moscow's gone, he's going to be pissed off at us. He's going to know it was us for a start. Maybe we should call him. Maybe we should call... Let's just call him Boris for the sake of argument. Get, get Boris on the phone. Get Boris... Trent, you stay right there. You're gonna, you made this mission and fix it up right now. Get Boris on the phone. Just give him a call. So Boris is there somewhere in... Possibly Moscow. I don't even know where their capital was back in the 60s. I don't even know where the capital is today. I'd assume Moscow. I don't know. So Boris is there just enjoying his 10 a.m. Uh, vodka and... Vodka on the rocks, I guess. And he's oh, yeah. reading the Moscow Daily News... Gets a knock at the door. Come in. What's up? You want some vodka? No, no, no. Okay. 
Oh, it's it's not midday yet. You, you you're trying to cut back. I see. What's up? And he's he's I don't know. Five star general is there. Like Boris, we oh Mister Mister Yeltsin, we got some bad news, Bella. And Boris is like, yeah. Tell me, have a seat. He's like, you're gonna you listen. We think the Americans are coming to wipe us out, basically. And Boris is like, shit. Why today? It's a Monday. I've got enough problems as it is. And they're like, what are we going to do? And Boris is like, I don't know. Let me have a drink and think about it. So that's going on in Moscow or wherever. Let's just say Moscow. Back in Washington, D.C., back at the Pentagon or wherever. They're like, get, get Bonson on the phone. Get, get, get Boris on the phone. Hey, uh, is this uh, Mr. Yeltsin? Yeah, it's me, the president of America. Yeah, listen. Uh, hey, how, how are you? How are the kids? How are the family? Oh, yeah, good, good, good. How's the weather in Moscow? Oh, that's nice. Hey, listen, um, Boris. Can I call you Boris? Yeah, listen... There's no easy way for me to say this, uh, but we have reason to believe that one of our bombers is uh, on its way to nuke uh, <clears throat> And Boris is like, oh, sorry, I can't do Russian accents. Boris is like, I'm sorry, I missed that. And he's like, oh, I was just saying that we got a plane is on the way to Moscow to uh, wipe all out. He's like, did you say to wipe us all out? And he's like, uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Well, how long do we have? Uh, on our estimate, it's about 20 minutes or so. Well, what are we going to do? Hey, have, you, have you told him to call it off? Um, yeah. But there's a problem with that too. What's the problem? We trained them specifically not to listen to us once we give them the code to come and uh, wipe it all out. I see, I see. Can you, can you intercept them? No, we've already done the mass. We can't catch up with them. Uh, well, can we intercept them? Well, you can try, but then they're just going to drop the nuke wherever they are at the time. It's, it's really not going to save very much. And you're going to struggle to intercept a whole lot of them. So, I mean, you can try that, but it's really a, a fool's errand at this point, unfortunately, Boris. But we've got a plan, right? And at this time, Boris is like freaking out. Like he's starting to think this, this is the real deal. Boris is like, how did this happen? Oh, well, you see, Boris, it's the funniest thing. When we were hiring IT guys, the, the budget at that particular time wasn't sufficient. And Boris is like, you tell me this is a computer error. They're like, yeah, it's a computer error, but... Actually, it's Trent's fault, really. In fact, we'll give you Trent. Do you want Trent? We'll give him to you right now. Trent's like, no, no, no. They're like, yeah, we'll give you Trent. You can do whatever you want to. And Boris is like, that's not really going to bring back Moscow now, is it? They're like, no, it's not. So they're like, what can we do about this? And Boris is like, look, just give me a few minutes to think about it. So they hang up. And they're sitting around in DC, or whatever, like, man, Boris, he took it kind of well, actually. Yeah, he took it kind of well. But um, he's probably going to wipe us all out. Like, he pretended he was fine, but I think he's probably going to wipe us all out. And then someone says, uh, may I speak? I've got an idea. And they look over there, they're like, yeah? He's like, you just hear me out here. What if we wipe out our own cities and then tell the Russians that's like our sacrifice for, you know, wiping all of them out? And everyone's like sitting around looking at each other. No one wants to say anything. And there's the US president, I guess, and he's like, why didn't I think of that? That's brilliant. What city should we wipe out? Do you guys have any preferences? What city? You're from, you're from Dallas. We won't wipe out Dallas. I'm from, uh, I don't know, Portland. So we're not going to wipe out Portland. Uh, any cities that no one here is from? And then someone says, LA. He's like, is anybody here from LA? Does anyone really like LA? Be honest. Not really. Done. All right. Here's what we're going to do. We are going to send out an order to our other bomber squadron to go and wipe out LA. It's that easy. Give me, give me Boris on the line, right? Give me Boris. So they call it, this is all in fail safe, by the way. Hey, Boris, how you doing? 
Yeah, I, look, I'm a bit stressed too. It's a, it's a highly tense situation, but we've got a solution, right? What if we nuke Los Angeles? And Boris is sitting there going, yeah. They're like, well, that, that's fair's fair. We wipe out Moscow and we wipe out LA. Then you don't need to wipe out Washington, D.C. Or Portland or Dallas or the other cities that we don't want you to wipe out. And Boris is like, is this, are you guys being, like, is this, have you guys been drinking out of vodka lately? Because this is the most ridiculous thing I've heard in my whole life. And, uh, and let's just pause the story there. If you want to find out what happens in Failsafe, I recommend you go and check out the film. I can't speak for the 1964 version and I haven't read the book. But I did see the 2000 version as a kid. As a kid who believed in magical weapons. So let's pause it right there and let's go and see what the live stream chat has to say about all of this. Let's assume they're still there. You never know these days with technology being the way that it is. Where is my... Where is my thing? Oh, no. No, let's go forward. There we go. Pause this, you show. Show. Let's have a look. So, uh, Linda Curtis, talking about the sign language, Linda Curtis says, the sign language people seem to be a distraction from the message. They are their own comedy show. Very interesting take. Uh, 88 Finnis Temporis, a sensational YouTuber. I might even see if I can interview him for an episode of Bonversation sometime. He says, I'm certain that the truth for a nuclear explosion, pardon me, explosion, that's better, is the third contact stage of this solar eclipse, the bright flash of light when the sun moves from behind the moon. Interesting. O'Briggs says, have you heard of red mercury? Has some bizarre traits in the supposedly used in nuclear weapons could be a hoax? No, I haven't heard of red mercury, to tell the truth. They Lie We See says, what do you know, just tuned in at 33 minutes. Perfect timing. Tim Osman says, uh, they've got a symbol that they use to mean greetings and salutations and good tidings. So I appreciate that. Alpha 4 says, always with the reinforcement of the fear and entrainment. The day after from the 80s traumatized my childhood self regarding the new coax. So what Alpha 4 is saying is that the, the traumatization he got through the TV or through the, the big box, the monolith, was a film called The Day After, which I, I'm, did I watch that one? I might have actually. Can't remember. Can't remember. But you're like, most of us got something. See, earlier on I was talking about Sarah Connor pushing her kid. That's from Terminator 2, Judgment Day. And what, hey, how, look, how sinky is this? That I played the, the voicemail from Old Mate, which had the references to uh, the rapture. And here we are talking about Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Terminator 2, Judgment Day. And what does it begin with? The flames, all the flames and the, the, the robots and the human skulls. Which, of course, we later find out is an imagination that Sarah Connor has when she's there somewhere in the south of America, south of the US. Maybe they've crossed the border into Mexico, I'm not sure. And she's at a table somewhere in the desert and she's inscribed no fate. She's having a dream. And uh, that's where she's pushing her child and everything's lovely. And then <laughs> piercing sound, like a really high-pitched, I can't really do it with my vocal cords, like a really pitched sound, you know what I'm trying to say, like white noise uh, multiplied by a thousand. And then there's a the white flash. Everyone gets blown back and then the screaming and the what have you. Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Huge film when I was a child. Huge film. Massive. Everybody saw it. And I, how old was I when that came out? Jeez, I would have been eight or something. So if I saw it, you can believe that most people saw it either at that time or on VHS later on or whatever the case might be. And yeah, it's reinforcing all these ideas of the magical weapons, guys. The magical weapons. Yeah? Innocence lost. Children burnt. Mothers blown apart like statues. Buses tipped over. Trees getting uprooted by the blast, by the shockwave. 
If you don't get wiped out by the initial blast, you get burns. You know I'm trying to say, if you're too far away, you can't get burnt, but you'll burn your eyeballs, man. You can't see anymore. Messed up stuff, bro. Really messed up. Mm -hmm. And so what's the point of all of this? I'll get to that in a moment. All right, so JT and Empress Infinite also give the salutations. Welcome to you. They lie, we see, says, drinking a local beer. Cheers to JLB and IPS. Well, cheers to you as well, brother. I can't say I'm enjoying the local beer. I'd love to. They've got some great beer here in beautiful Bulgaria. But I've become quite fond of the tap water here. That's right. Beautiful Bulgarian tap water. Yeah, good stuff. Five weeks sober, but who's counting? Who's counting? Thank you very much. Travis Cloud and D Hill are in there as well. Yeah, D Hill says, freaking Trent. Yeah, I mean, why would you even hire a guy called Trent for your IT? You're basically asking for trouble at that point, eh? Hey? You, you don't just have to blame Trent. You've got to go to HR and say, guys, what were you thinking? Seriously. I mean, come on. What were you thinking? Anyway. Trent. So anyway, uh, yeah, so Failsafe, Judgment, uh, Turn It To Judgment Day. That's just two films I can think of. I mean, nukes come up in so many films. There's another Arnold Schwarzenegger one. True Lies. What a perfect name for that film. True Lies. And what's that? Well, so you see, at that time, they moved on from the right, from the Soviet boogeyman onto the, onto the Arab terror, uh, to the Arab boogeyman, hadn't they? And so in this particular film, some Arab gets his uh, hands, or some Arab uh, bad dudes, the boogeyman basically, get their hands on some nuclear warheads, and they decide to blow up, is it the Florida Keys in that one? I think it's the Florida Keys that they decide to blow up. I'm not really sure why they wanted to blow up Florida. Maybe they had a bad experience there or something. I don't know how, it seems like a wonderful place. I'd love to go there someday. I don't know if I'll ever get the chance, but uh, in this post-311 world, who knows what's going to happen. But yeah, so, so anyway, so there's Arnie, and uh, he's got his own problems dealing with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and, and whatever, and his kids, and blah, blah, blah. And uh, so he has to stop these dudes wiping out the Florida Keys or where the hell they were. And so you see this crop, crop up in movie after movie after movie, and of course the audience, the vast majority of them, have never for a second even contemplated the question, how do I know these nukes are real? How do I know? How do I know that? They tell me they've got this magical weapon, which you can fit apparently in, the, in a freaking crate. They can wipe out millions. They tell me that. But do I have any evidence that that's real? Do I have any? They've never thought that. Not for a second. God bless them. And up until a few years ago, I'd never thought about it either. And when I started thinking about it, I very quickly realized, hold on. I've got zero evidence this is real. Zero. Stories from authorities known liars, mind you. A whole bunch of pictures and ideas in my head. Like an emotion, I've got an emotional attachment to this belief because it was drilled into my brain. But in terms of actual evidence, zero. Nothing. Nothing. Hmm, that's weird. You'd think for such a fundamental belief I'd have some shred of evidence. Nothing. Hmm, interesting. Interesting. So if you come to realize that the magical weapons don't exist, you might feel inclined to go and tell people about this. Hey guys, I've got some good news, right? I've got some good news for you. You know how we're all like a little bit subconsciously, whether we realize it or not, a little bit afraid that the people who run the show could wipe us all out at any minute, right? You know, we're like, and people like, yeah, I've got some good news, man. It's not real. I can't do that. There's no magical weapons at all. It's all a lie, right? And you might think you're, you're passing on good news. Actually, it's good news for you, it's good news for me, it's good news for listeners around the world here at Apostasy Show. Yes. For most of us, anyway. But for the person you're telling, that's not saying good news, because they have a belief system in their head, and every time they lose a piece of it, they lose a piece of themselves. 
So what you're telling them is that part of their life is a lie. So for them, it's actually bad news. And that's why they're probably going to get very emotional and start calling you names or start saying bad shit about you, right? Start saying that you've gone crazy or whatever because in their world, you are crazy. In their world, of course they're magical. Why would they lie about something like that? Why would they lie? Too many people. Too many people would have to be in on a jailbait. I mean, you're talking about millions of people who have to be in on it. Where'd you get the number of millions from? Well, I mean, think of all the people who work on... There's no one working on these weapons. They don't exist. Well, there's millions... Then that means there's millions of people who are lying. What? Millions, bro. Not many people would have to know the truth about this. Not even the people supposedly trained to drop these damn things would have to know. Right? Unless you think that the same guy who builds the bomber and uh, maintains the bomber, flies the bomber, and also manufactures each bomb, all right, unless that's what you believe, then why would even the guy flying the, the planes, and the planes, I think most of the, I think some of the planes that we're shown on TV do exist anyway. So let's just say for the sake of argument, the bombers do exist, because I think they probably do. The guy who flies that doesn't have to know shit, all right? Not many people have to know about this. Certainly not millions. Certainly not millions. Well, but there'd have to be at least a few jelly. Why wouldn't they tell us? Okay, well, a couple of reasons. One, money. If it's your job to know about this, why would you go and tell everyone else? Firstly, they're not going to believe you. But secondly, it's your job to keep your mouth shut. And lots of people have jobs that involve keeping their mouth shut. Lots of people, including some of you watching this right now. Maybe you work in retail and you get paid a commission on sales. And uh, someone comes into your hardware store and uh, you know full well that if he gets the most expensive, for, what, for the job he's doing, most expensive option or the middle option, it's going to make no difference to his, to his project because they're both more than powerful enough and uh, more than good enough to do the job. But this guy seems to have his, he seems to want to get the good one, right? And you're going to get more money if he gets the good one because you're getting a cut of the commission. At that moment, you can either say, hey, listen, mate, between you and me, I'm telling you right now, say, you can say 50%, get this one. It's cheaper for what you're, listen, you're not a real, you're not building patios, bro. You're just doing a little home project. This particular item's going to do the job and save you half your money, right? You're not going to tell him that. One, he seems to want, he's kind of indicated he wants to spend and get the good one. Maybe he's through an advertisement for it or something. And you're going to get a cut of, of the money that he spends. So when you decide to keep your mouth shut and, and not, not even try and convince him, at that moment you're being paid to keep your mouth shut. Now, a lot of people come back, oh, I'd never do that, Joby. I would never do that. If I was, okay, fine, fine. But you know lots of people. Firstly, yes, you would. But secondly, even if you wouldn't, lots of people would. And you know that's a fact, okay? So why is it so hard to believe that there's a small group of people who know about all of this but keep their mouth shut? Why is it so hard to believe? I'll tell you why, because you're emotionally invested in the magical weapons, just like most of us are, because we were bombarded with these stories as kids. And then, of course, you've got the, the next element. If they're lying about the magical weapons, then you know anyone with half a brain can realize. But all of geopolitics is kind of sort of centered on this idea that these countries can wipe each other out easily. So if they can't do that, then maybe we're being lied to about the geopolitics. But 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 America is enemies with, with the Soviets. Or at least they were. Now they're like in a, a truce, I guess. But... I mean, North Korea, he's a big problem because he's trying to get these weapons. And so you see that their whole framework falls apart. This whole fantasy land they live in that was put there by TV and newspapers and these kinds of things, it will all fall apart. No one's going to, almost nobody's ever going to even consider that. Much easier to say, what? Magical weapons not real? Yes, they are. They're called nuclear bombs, right? And the president can press the red button and then bang, mate, it's on for young and old. You'll get bombers flying this way and intercontinental ballistic missiles flying that way and man it'd be hectic we'd be lucky to live in fact we'd be no, we'd be even lucky to die
because if we leave there'll be no food because it'll be like a the, the skies will be grey and there'll be like a nuclear winter actually it'll be freezing cold right freezing so yeah it's messed up bro so this idea that the magical weapons aren't real man you're crazy you're crazy man you need to seek help okay you need to seek help because you got you got serious issues bro you got serious issues I'll tell you that right now for free Okay, so let's go and take a look at the duck and cover turtle. I think his name was Bert. Duck and cover. Bert the turtle. Bertie turtle. Bertie turtle, duck and cover. That's right. Hopefully I get a strike for this. Hope, hope not. This is, this is fair. This is clearly fair use. I'm doing an analysis of it. So I think this is perfectly fine for me to play this clip. This is what was being played to kids back in, what, the 60s? When was this from? Bert the, Bert the freaking duck and cover turtle. Let me find out for you all. I'm going to do my due diligence here for the benefit of all you lovely people at home. Bert turtle duck cover. Let's see what Bing has to say. Duck and cover. 1952 is what they're telling me. 1952. Goodness gracious me. That's 70 years, guys. So take a look around you and all the people you know. This has been programming people for 70 years. So if they were 10 years old 70 years ago, then they'd be 80 now. Now the vast majority of people are under the age of 80. So pretty much everyone who you know who is 80 years old or younger has either been brainwashed by Bert and nonsense like this, or whatever came after. Failsafe and uh, Doctor Strangelove and Terminator 2 Judgment Day, and uh, the day after, whatever it's called. You see what I'm trying to say to you? Everyone's been brainwashed by this crap. Pretty much everyone you see alive today has been brainwashed by this crap. Pretty much everyone. There might be some 100-year-old uh, man or lady somewhere who never got given this, maybe. But the vast, vast majority of people you see got given this kind of nonsense. And what nonsense am I talking about? Well, this is from 1952. This is Dark and Cover, Bert the Turtle. Take a look at this. Goodness gracious me. Come on, get to it. Imagine being a kid seeing what you're about to see. There was a turtle by the name of Bert, and the turtle was very alert. For those of you who listen to the MP3, it's a cartoon with a very happy looking turtle. He's wearing a hat for some reason, he's got a bow tie, and uh, he's just walking along. He's enjoying life, man. He's just enjoying life. Bert the turtle. When danger threatened him, he never got hurt. He knew just what to do. He ducked and cover, ducked and cover. He did what we all must learn to do. You and you and you and you ducked and cover. Be sure and remember what Bert the Turtle just did, friends, because every one of us must remember to do the same thing. That's what this film is all about. Duck and cover. This is an official civil defense film produced in cooperation with the Federal Civil Defense Administration. Let me just repeat that for those of you listening. This is an official civil defense film produced in cooperation with the Federal Civil Defense Administration and in consultation with the Safety Commission of the National Education Association. Just think through that for a moment. That's the one minute view. I think there's a six minute version. But what was being taught to the children? So goes the story. And I wasn't there, I don't know. But this seems to be accepted as the official story. So back in the 50s and the 60s, and maybe even beyond that, I don't know. 
is that kids are being taught, hey, if you do see a flash or if you get if you get the alarm system or whatever, get under your table. Like this desk that I've got right here, get under it, right? Get under the table, hide, right? Now, why were they being taught to do that? Well, because, my dear viewers and listeners, there were some boogeymen out there who had a magical weapon and they had bad intent, okay? They... These people don't really value human life, or at least not our lives anyway. And they might drink too much vodka one day and then press the red button or whatever color they use. I mean, it makes sense for them to use red, I guess. But they're going to press the red button. And if they do that, your, your best chance of survival is to get under your desk and cower like a turtle. Okay? So now that we've got that lesson out of the way, let's get back on with the arithmetic. Uh, we were doing long division, right? That would be part of their school curriculum. Okay? Remember... A whole generation of people got this crap. A whole generation of them got it. And that was generations ago. So think about how that filters down through the, through the generations, through the people. This belief becomes part of the, the, uh, the zeitgeist, part of the consciousness, part of the, the world in which we live is through this kind of lens, through this kind of narrative, through this belief system. And they were being scared with us. Now, of course, a lot of kids might not have taken it seriously. They might be like, oh, whatever. You know, it, it's not so much... Without getting into the whole what's conscious versus subconscious thing, it's not about people believing necessarily in immediate danger. It's about what happens when you believe this is possible and when you're surrounded by people who believe this is possible. What effect does it have? And that's why these kids were getting the dark and cover. Now, you might contrast that with what's happening these days. Kids, there's an invisible enemy out there and it also has ill intent. It wants to kill grandma. It is a sick, sick boogeyman, this one. It's... It's messed. You know, it's, well, here's what it wants to do. It wants to possess your body. And then if you go anywhere near grandma, it'll use your body to possess her, right? Now, you might survive because you're young and healthy, but think about grandma. Think about grandma, right? Now, the good news is we've got a better solution than duck and cover. That, that's old-fashioned. We've got a better solution. Just wear something over your mask, okay? Wash your hands as well a lot. Um, there will be periods of the time during the year where you can't go to, to your friend Billy's house or to your friend uh, Sally's house or whatever, because there's too many of the demons out there. When, there. when there's too many demons, the government has to stop us from going around because the demons will multiply too fast. But when the, when the number is down, then we can go to our friends' houses between certain hours or certain distances from home or whatever. And then when we do that, remember to wear the, wear the mask because the demons, the demons don't like the mask. The demons are kind of scared of the mask. This is our secret weapon. If we wear the mask, it makes it much more difficult for the demon to uh, possess our body. Uh, miss... If we wear the mask, does that mean we can't be possessed? Actually, little Tommy, you can still be possessed, so we still have to take other precautions as well. But it just means the chance of the demon getting you is less, you see? And then, don't worry, the experts are working on a solution. <clears throat> They're going to inject you with a special anti-demon potion, right? And when they inject you with that, then the, the, there's much less chance of the demon uh, hurting you. Uh, miss, I, I heard from someone that... We can still get the demon, it's just he's less likely to kill us, is what they're saying. That's, that's actually, you're quite right. You've been reading the newspaper, very good. As I always tell you kids, if you want to stay up to date, you've got to read the newspaper. It's true, the, 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 the scientists, the experts, tell us that you can still catch the demon, but it's less likely to kill you. So the, the magic potion doesn't stop the demon, but it will make it less likely to kill you, you see. Okay, cool, yeah, okay, no worries. Sweet, no problem. So you can see that, you can see... They're different things, but can you see the same fundamental thing? Give the people an invisible enemy, an invisible boogeyman, put it into their mind, have them role play 
darken cover, wear the mask, wash the hands, whatever, doesn't matter. Have them role play. They'll internalize it. Give them the images on the screen and the death and the blah, 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 blah. And even if it's like a fictional account, right? Like what was that film they released last year? Uh, you know, they were using um, Three Little Birds from, uh, from Bob Marley. Every little thing is going to be all right. What, what do they call that one? I forget. But there was that film they released last year, I believe, that was like a fictionalized version of, of the future. Like in a few years from now, we'll be on our seventh wave or our tenth wave, whatever it was. So it's a fictionalized version of what people believe is real. Same as the fail-safe film, same as all this other propaganda, right? So give them the story that they believe is real. Then give them the role-playing. Then give them the fictionalized versions of what's going to happen in the future anyway. You know, even if you do take precautions, look what could still happen. Put the fear in them. And it works a treat. It works a treat. Because humans, the vast majority of them, are dumb as rocks. That's just a fact of the matter. Humans are not intelligent. That's one of the biggest hoaxes that you've been given, is this idea that humans are intelligent. On their own, they can certainly seem intelligent. But you get them in a group, they go down to the lowest common denominator, then instill fear in them of an outsider, of an enemy, especially an invisible enemy, bang. You might as well be dealing with toddlers, seriously. You might as well be. There's no difference between what the toddler can think and what that so-called group of humans can think. When you're in a group and they're scared, they're hopeless, they're useless, forget about it. So they had the nuclear, the magical weapons, I should say, back in the 50s and the 60s and so forth. Then for a while there, they had the the, te the boogeymen in caves for a while there. Interestingly, by the way, those boogeymen in the caves operated in cells. There were cells of those boogeymen, and some of them were trying to acquire... You see there's a crossover? It's like a Venn diagram. They have crossover of the narratives. So you've got the invisible weapon that no one can see, and you won't see it till it's too late. Then it's going to blind you, burn you, turn you into a statue, and then destroy you somehow. Then they said, oh, then there's these boogeymen out there trying to acquire those weapons, right? Then they said, oh, those boogeymen are operating in cells, right? They might even be here as we speak. Shit, motherfucker. Shit. Now they're saying, actually, there's another demon out there, believe it or not, and it attacks your cells because it wants to possess you and then use you to possess other people. Thank heavens for the experts, though. They have determined that we shouldn't wear the masks. Then if you must, actually, no, we should. That's the solution. Yeah, but actually, where to if you can? Yeah, try and do that. That's, that's the best thing to do. Wash your hands, sing happy birthday. And uh, yeah, you can't go out after 10 p.m. The experts are pretty confident that's when the demon is at its most potent. Okay? It, it loves it. It must love the alcohol. It's a demon that loves its own. It's a demon who's addicted to the demon drink. Because after 10 p.m., that's when it gets really wild. It can kind of control itself during the day. But when the sun goes down, the demon gets demonic. So make sure you're back home by 10, right? That's the state of play today. So let's go and check out the live stream chat. What do people have to say for themselves? Yeah, yeah, boy. Let's go and take a look. What are people saying in the live stream chat? Duck and cover. Duck and cover. Tominoid says, of course, the whole point of a doomsday machine is lost if you keep it a secret. Yes, indeed. See, the Americans got it. And then somehow the Soviets got it. Somehow the Chinese got it. Possibly Trent's grandparents, I would say. Trent's grandparents were driving a truck one day, and then all of a sudden they accidentally veered to Beijing. They were meant to be going to Moscow, and then... Hey, is it just me, or is all the writing different in this city? No, we followed the map. Yeah, this is Trent's grandfather was meant to be the navigator. So no, we followed the map. Upside down. 
these people, man, they, they're just hopeless. So they've ended up in Beijing, and the Chinese are like, what's, what's, that, what's that weird looking thing you got there? Uh, nothing. Come on, tell us, what is it? Um, uh, if you press the red button, millions of people die. Oh, we will just be taking that, yoink, you see? And this must have happened in Pakistan. I don't know how the hell this happened, but somehow they all got their hands on the, the, the big boogeyman device. But that's a good thing. Here's a silver lining. Because now no country wants to shoot at the other country because they'll all kill each other. It's called mutually assured destruction. So we're living in perilous times, but just as Orwell explained to us, war is peace. So we're in this cold war where all the countries can annihilate each other, but that leads to peace. You see, war is peace. Just as when it comes to uh, what you can do after 10 p.m. or can you go into a pub and have a drink with your mates? Well, freedom is slavery because if you're free to do that, then you'll be a slave to the demons, right? The demons will enslave you, they'll possess you, you're in big trouble. So you see, freedom is slavery. So you don't want that. You see? It's all very... When you sit down and think, it all makes a lot of sense when you think about it. Just trust the experts, guys. Just trust them. If they tell you two different stories, just believe whichever story the people in the same room as you believe as well. Just just do that. You do that anyway with everything else, so just do that and you'll be fine. You'll be just fine. All right, carrying on with the live stream chat. Linda Curtis says, believing a button in a suitcase can nuke the world is like believing Nixon called the moon from a landline. Oh yeah, the good old Nixon called to the moon. I can't remember what he said to him. I can't remember what he said. The only Nixon speech that I remember is where he's like, um, uh, and I'm gonna, uh, this is kind of a paraphrase. We are, no, can I, can I do a Nixon? I can't really do a Nixon. Temporarily convert, no. Temporarily suspending the convertibility of the dollar. Yeah, remember that one? When they supposedly went off the gold standard. Uh, except, except in amounts as authorized by the Federal Reserve or something like that. I have decided to temporarily suspend the convertibility of the dollar. Nixon, eh? What a dude. Okay, uh, what else have we got here? Mike G says he hasn't washed his hands since Easter. Fair enough. Uh, they Lie We See says Easter last year, that is. Man, don't get me started on Easter. There are some very intelligent people who I like and who I like to listen to on many topics. But I had uh, one or more of them telling me last year, in the days immediately following 3.11, that this would be all, all be over by Easter. Like this would be another Ebola or the other SARS or whatever that sort of came and went. And it was very obvious to me, you know, guys, this is a much bigger deal. This, this is a new one. This, this is bigger than 9-11, probably. No, it'll all be over by Easter. Last year, I was like, what? Now, sad, look, I wish he was right and I was wrong. And I have been wrong before. I will be wrong again. But on that occasion, I was not wrong. He was, and here we are. Another Easter one, and the rolling lockdowns continue. They lie, we says, JLB equals joking and laughing about boogeymen. Yeah, I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't joke and laugh about them. This is, this is very serious business, okay? Everyone could die if we don't all stick together and do what we're told. Everyone, everyone's life's at jeopardy here. Me, you, grandma, some dude down the road. It's a whole world, basically. We're literally killing people by not doing what we're told. It's a horrible thing. So how long have we been streaming? An hour 14 already, goodness gracious me. Well guys, we've gone through the magical weapons. Didn't get a chance to go through the 37 things conspiratards believe. We'll do that next week. 
Didn't get a chance, I do apologize, Dirty Benny, for not going through your fantastic comment, guys. You can leave your comments and read other people's mailbag messages at apostasy.com, link in the info box below. Next week, I'll go through more voicemails, I hope. Leave them at Apostasy, it's free, very easy to do. Leave your mailbag messages like Dirty Benny did, I'll read his comment out uh, next week. And also do check out, I'll put this in the info box when I finish recording this, the chat between uh, Tim Osmond of the Infinite Plane Society and Greg Carwood. Terrific chat, 90 minutes. I listened to it last night, actually. Was it last night? I was up pretty late last night. Yeah, I listened to it last night. Terrific chat, I recommend you check it out. I'll put a link, in fact, I'm going to put a link to that right now in the uh, live stream chat, just in case I forget to come back tomorrow and do that uh, in the info box. Let me put a link to that right now. Let's see, where are we? Duck and cover. Duck and cover. Duck. Let me ask you this. Which one seems more ridiculously pointless? Ducking and covering when a magical weapon goes off? Or putting a mask over your face to save you from the invisible body-possessing demon? I, for me, it's that's a neck-and-neck neck thing, really. That's neck-and-neck. Neck. Which one is more ridiculous? That's a tough one. Let me know in the live stream chat comments and in the comments below if you're watching the live stream on delay. And also let me know in the, in the mailbag, in the Apostasy mailbag. It's there for all people. The mailbag. Go and check it out. And uh, what else? 37 things normies believe. 37 things conspiratists believe available to you right now. Go and check them out. Links in the info box below. And I think that's just about all I have to say for now. So I'm going to take a break. Have another glass of beautiful Bulgarian tap water. I'll be back for the after show in about five minutes. You can access all of the first hours or the first 90 minutes or whatever it is. And all the after shows that are usually about an hour to about 90 minutes. All of them via johnlebon.com. If you're not a member of johnthebond.com, don't worry. You can still get all the first hours. Let's go and take a look at this. All the first hours in MP3 format where I cut out all the nonsense at the beginning of the stream if there's technical difficulties, which sometimes there is. That's just the nature of these things. You can get the MP3s. You can uh, download them. You can stream them. Take a look at this, right? It'll load in just a moment. There it is. You can watch on delay. You can listen to the MP3. You can stream. You can download. It's a wonderful thing. So go and check it out, apostasy.com. Links in the info box below. Let's read out a couple more live stream comments. Uh, there's a few people in there. Hey guys, thanks for coming out. I'm gonna give people more notice next week. So the live stream chat should be a bit more active than it has been today. Midday Sunday, US Eastern Daylight Time. So New York time, midday on a Sunday. That'll be the time going forward for the next uh, few weeks. We'll try that out, see if that's uh, more amenable to people than the Monday. And we'll just be flexible. You gotta be flexible, especially in this, this day and age, this time that we live in. You gotta be flexible and just uh, Try different things out. And that's what I'm doing. So we're trying the Sundays. So I hope to see you guys all here next week on Sunday at midday. <clears throat> Pardon me. And I'll be doing your voicemails, doing your, your live stream comments, and doing the whole lot. Trying to make this um, interactive. Trying to get you guys involved in the show. So it's not just me doing a monologue. Speaking of which, in the after show, there's always one or more people there to take part in the chat. We had Tim Osman on the call last week, uh, along with who else was there? Mike G was there as well. The week before, we had different people. Different people come and join us on the JLB Discord server to chat. And it's a lot of fun. And then we do that live, and then I record it, upload it as an MP3 straight away. And there's, uh, yeah, every week, another few hours of content waiting for you at johnlebon.com. So that'll do us for today on April 11 for the first hour of the show, 2021, the first Sunday. This has been episode 09. What will I call this? I might just call it Boogeyman or Magical Weapons or, I don't know, I'll think of something. And it's been a lot of fun. So thanks for joining me, and uh, I'll see you guys, some of you anyway, for the after show in just a moment but for everybody check those links in the info box below and uh, until next time i do hope you have yourself a lovely week the week that's coming hope you enjoy it 
I hope you're very productive, and I hope that you are grateful for the good things in the world. It's easy for me to sit here, <clears throat> pardon me, and be, uh, be very um, sardonic or sarcastic about the world and the official stories. But one of my main points that I didn't make very well in this presentation is that there's all these lies, all this nonsense. Sometimes learning about the lies is actually a cool thing. You don't have to worry as much. And I think a lot of people out there are very worried about things that have been put in their head, not necessarily for their individual best interests. And so learning about skepticism and questioning what we're told can be a wonderful thing. And beyond all of that, beyond all of the stories and the authorities and the morons and all the rest of the nonsense, hey, another day. Today you get another day to breathe in the air, to enjoy the sun, and to try and make something of your time here in this realm. And I think that's a wonderful thing. So I hope you're enjoying it, your, your time that is, and I hope you've enjoyed this presentation. So time for the outro, and I'll see some of you in just a moment for the after show, which begins in about five minutes. Thank you very much. John the Bond coming to you, beautiful Bulgaria, April 11, 2021. Until next time, everybody, take care of yourselves. You've been listening to The Apostasy Show. Stream via the Dark Matter Digital Network in association with the Infinite Plane Society. Check out apostasyshow.com for all past episodes and to learn more about how we plan to make apostasy great again. It's okay to question what we think we know. And that's the whole point of the Apostasy Show. Until next time, take care of yourselves.